Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the third episode of the Pinch Hitter Podcast with me, uh, my uh, Chris King, my co-host, uh, also Justin Rochette, Chris uh, Continued efforts to bring Lisa on the show are just that, continuing. Uh, but we have another big uh, guest in store for tonight. We have Pedro Gomez from ESPN joining us. We look forward to having uh, Pedro on and picking his brain about a lot of things uh regards to the baseball season or lack thereof a season at this point but uh before we get into pedro as we'll have him on in about the next 10 minutes or so uh we did have brandon olsen from whole nine sports on in our first episode and we uh the draft obviously took place so we're looking to recap it to some extent we'll have a, a, an episode later on uh in uh in the week where brandon comes back on with chris and uh justin to recap the draft but uh guys your thoughts on the draft I'll start with you, Chris, because you uh, clearly weren't here with your previous pursuit. <laughs> it's going to be a tireless pursuit. I hope you fucking know that. But I know. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, like the Giants getting a lot of hate early. Getting a lot of hate. I'm just not. I'm just not sure if it's warranted yet. It, it's it's early, and Dave Gettleman's setup was a little bit. Nicer than people thought. He wasn't working on a fucking uh, 2002 laptop only, so I think that, that definitely helped the situation out. Um, Packers? Oh, I'm man. not so sure. I don't know. Their two best players were quarterback and running back, and then in the first two rounds this year, they go quarterback, running back. So, I don't know. Um, I guess, you know, as a successor and stuff like that, it takes time, but I think you could wait a, another two years or so. I know Aaron Rodgers is kind of like turning into this diva, but I think you could you could wait, maybe offensive line, maybe wide receiver or something like that. Maybe that would have helped more, but we'll see. I think Packers losers, though. Losers of the draft. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Time, and, and, you know, what, what message is that sending Rodgers, you know, going and drafting a quarterback in the found? I mean, you know, a, a, one game away from the Super Bowl. Uh, somebody mentioned to me a couple of days ago, you're 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 one game away from the Super Bowl. You should be adding uh, players to to boost you to get over that hump to get into the Super Bowl. Not you know trying to build towards the future. You know, and I, and and that's where that's where I had my my reservations about that pick. Uh, what, what were your thoughts, Justin? Uh, Packers, one hundred percent losers. Um, Falcons, losers. Uh, I don't understand what what they were doing. I mean, I guess I understand what, what the Falcons were doing. They needed a cornerback in the first round, but they won A.J. Terrell, who I just think was a big-time reach. For the Packers, uh, they need everyone knows they need a receiver. They have one of the best in the league, Devontae Adams. But beyond that, it's pretty deprived there. And they drafted yeah, and, uh, zero and wide receivers in, in the entire I, draft. So, and and then, I like, noticed that there was a lot of, uh, you know, talk about how, how there is such a lack of, of receiver depth at the, uh, with Green Bay after Devontae Adams. I mean, and that, that's been... You look at the, 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 uh, the Green Bay roster, that, that wide receiver core that, that was there when Rodgers first came around, when I'm talking about the Greg Jennings and the Donald Drivers and the Jordy Nelsons of the world, and the talent around him is just not there to that caliber that it was when he first came, when he initially came on uh, the scene. So I, 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 he's not getting any younger. There's a little rust on Rodgers. I think you see that that you know age is start, starting to take its toll. Uh, you know, some people beg to differ. Some people say you know it's the lack of talent. But I've seen Rodgers. I, I, you know, I don't see vintage Rodgers at this point anymore. But you know, 
he needs to, they need to do a Rodgers uh, a favor anyway, though, and, and and supply him with the necessary talent around him to come that that hump and suddenly make it to the big game again. So I, I agree with the assessment of those two. What about the Patriots not drafting a quarterback though? Are we were all in on Stidham though. I mean, like because Bel- Belichick even said it, it wasn't um, by design. They didn't um, openly avoid the quarterbacks. They just stuck to the board. I don't agree with any. Well. There was two picks that I liked. I liked um, Kyle Duggar, the safety, and um, uh, Jonathan Joshua Uche from um, Michigan, the pass rusher. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they can be, um, you know, Duggar can be uh, the big nickel, big money, the money nickel that comes up from the, to the box and plays by the line of scrimmage. Uche is not developed that much of, as a pass rusher, but he's really athletic, a lot of potential. The rest of the picks, I just... I didn't really understand it. And I'm a big, even though I'm a big Jeff fan, I, I believe that Belichick is a genius and a mastermind. But if you look at these recent drafts in the last five to 10 years, he hasn't been drafting very well. He's been getting by with Tom Brady and middling receivers. Gronkowski and Julian Edelman were really the only ones that Tom Brady really trusted. And that's a big reason why he left, too. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I think uh, probably wasn't a good idea to at least not entertain bringing in somebody else. Who knows? Maybe Jameis Winston. Maybe if he could turn Jameis Winston's Winston's career around, which I think he could, just by being a hard ass alone. I I think I think it would have been worth something to bring him in. But I don't even think Brian Hoyer. I think right now Brian Hoyer is still second on the depth chart, but. Let's let's talk about winners. Saints winners, Vikings winners of the draft. Saints Baltimore. they get a they get a guy who's gonna fucking he wants he just he just wants to fucking rip people's fucking teeth out. He's <laughs> just gonna go in combo guard center. That's just one of my fucking, favorite. Just a mean yeah. I plays, and then I believe it was. Top forty prospect in the set in the in the third round. I mean, oh, Zach Bond. Yeah, and then yeah. the Vikings, arguably best wide receiver in the draft, uh, taken as the fourth wide fifth wide receiver, and then yeah, uh, Justin Jefferson, and then you get even b- uh, before that or just after that, I believe it was Jeff yeah. Gladney, oh, who's ar- who, could, who could also be the top corner in the draft, and they got these guys in the twenties. So the Vikings know, and, and yeah, the Vikings, Ravens and Cowboys, all three of them did amazing job. Great value. We talk about the Cowboys. They got arguably, the, I know you said Justin Jefferson, arguably the best receiver on the, on the, in the draft. But my personally, my personal opinion was CD lamb was the best wide receiver. He's physical. He's not fast, but he's very quick, elusive. Great with the ball in his hands. Raider, Raiders will continue to Raider, right? Drafting rugs over there. <laughs> um, I like the pick for them. That's that's such a, I would have went somewhere. That's such else. a Raiders pick. That's such a Raiders yeah. pick. That's such a Darius no, Hayward what, Bay pick. You know what's the? <laughs> you know what's such a Ra- uh, Raiders pick? Um, Damon Arnett going at uh, number yeah. nineteen when people had him. I'm I'm a big Ohio State fan, and I can attest that he probably should have been a second, early third round pick. But if you want to, yeah, the Jets and Giants, 
they weren't um, amazing drafts, but they I really like what the Giants and the Jets did. The Jets, they um, addressed the offensive line big time. You talk about Makai Becton, the potential that he has is through the roof. His floor may be really low. Hopefully the Jets made the right decision there. The Giants, I know, I know Chris didn't like the pick, but he's probably the safest offensive line prospect in this draft. And then yeah. they grab grab a, a big time safety well, in the second like round from Alabama. Gettleson yeah. Well, guys, I feel we're gonna, too we're safe sometimes. We're gonna pick up on on the uh, the draft talk when Brandon comes on the show in a couple of days. But in turn, we will be bringing on our guest now, Pedro Gomez. Are we excited? Yes, sir. Oh my God! Honored. This is big time. Honored is this the right is big time, word. right? This is we should unbelievable. Be, what happened, Josh? We shouldn't be pulling guests like this in right away, but <laughs> yeah, that's the we're thing. doing it. We're, we're doing, doing legends, it. legends of the game. Pedro, <laughs> right. oh man, <laughs> it's working. <laughs> Look at that background. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm in my backyard. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a that's a nice scenery right beautiful, there. Beautiful, beautiful background. I mean, while I got my sweatshirt behind me. <laughs> how are you doing, Pedro? I'm how well, you, boys. I'm really good, man. Yeah. How about you guys? Oh, uh, you know, we're we're making do. We're making do. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a tough time for everybody. Uh, yeah. you know, we're hoping uh, that there's an end in sight at some point uh you know yeah. uh, big, the biggest thing is uh you know we just exp- extend our gratitude to all those people on the front line who, who are who are putting their 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 work in for us so that's what it comes down to you know absolutely i could not agree more can't agree more yeah Under- the storyline that came out today the unfortunate news uh w- with regards to uh, trey mancini so we just yeah. wanted to extend our, our, you know, condole our sincere, you know, thoughts and prayers to him and his family during this time. One of the brighter young players in the league. So uh, we're, we're we're hoping he has a speedy recovery, and we hope everything works out well for. for yeah, sure. it's just but, it's, it's uh, also a yeah. reminder that hey, there's real life problems going on, like other Definitely things yeah. go on in life, and and that's just a reminder of uh, you know things that people are going through. Yes, yes, of course. We we wanted to ask you, uh, Pedro, how, how is how is from your your uh, career as a reporter? How, how has it changed working in like a social distancing standpoint? Whatever, all the all these uh, things that have been implemented. Yeah, we, we're curious. It's it's been put on hold basically. On um, you know, ESPN is owned by Disney, and um, right now we're not allowed to do anything. Like I can't even go out here. I live in Phoenix. I can't even go out and do a story on a major league player who lives in Phoenix. Uh, we've, we've just put the clamps down on everything, everything. We can only do things like what we're doing here, even though I'm in the same city. Uh, you know, we have reporters living throughout the country. No one is allowed to do anything outside of their homes. Um, you know, I have a strong belief, we haven't been told this, but I have a strong belief that it's probably a liability issue. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. Of course, that that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, but you know, once baseball does pick up, uh, you know, yeah. there, there are varying degree, varying uh, options now as to how the league can pick up. And uh, I know my uh, my my co-host Justin wanted to speak to the fact of how what were some of the plans that are in place. So if you want to go ahead and pick that up, Justin. Uh, thanks, Joe. Yeah, Pedro. Um, 
you're you're actually in Arizona, so this works yeah. perfectly. Um, the the <laughs> rumor the plans, is, or one yeah, one, yeah, one of the plans is that they would, I guess, play in a, uh, they would isolate themselves in a bubble and play yeah. in Arizona. Do you actually think that that can actually work, and that's a real possibility? You know, I it's it's of all the plans, it, it makes the most sense because travel would be eliminated. Um, but having said that, the fact that it would be a bubble, so to speak, I think is the drawback because you'd have all 30 clubs here. And if even one player or, or person that works with a club were to test positive, the whole thing would shut down. Uh, all 30 clubs would have to shut down at that point. So that's, that's probably the biggest drawback to the all Arizona plan, even though logistically it makes perfect sense. Look, there's 10 minor league facilities here, or I should say major league spring training facilities, which are major league quality fields. There's also chase field, which would be an 11th field. There's Arizona state university who plays at Phoenix municipal stadium, which used to be the home of the Oakland A's, the spring home of the Oakland A's. That's a 12th. And then there's grand Canyon university, which is a division one school, which has a major league quality facility. So there's 13 fields all within a maximum of a one hour drive away, the farthest two. But yet um, I think the fact that it's all in one bubble is the drawback to that one. You know, the Texas Tampa plan has some, some merit to it because you would be splitting up some plus you won't have the excessive heat that we you know, have here in Phoenix in the months of June, July, and August. Um, I, I look, they're, they're trying like hell to try to get a plan, a formulate a plan to be able to hit the ground running. If they decide to play, if the government says, yes, go play. Um, that's, that's what they're doing right now. And I would say, let's not be naive. The biggest reason that, that, uh, this is being pushed is money. Yeah, you know, if games are played, both players and owners will make money. If no games are played, nobody makes money. So that's that's you know, again, let's not be naive. That's that's yeah. driving all of this. And that's not even uh, factoring in that these players have to leave their families too during this. Yeah, uh, that that's going to be tough. I mean, uh, look, Mike Trout, you know, arguably not even arguably, probably. <laughs> Lock down the game's greatest player. Uh, yeah. You know, he and his wife are expecting a baby this summer. Um, so if the games start, are you going to tell me Mike Trout's not going to be there for the birth of his first child? Yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris Bryant just had, he and his wife just had their first child during spring training. All of a sudden, you know, three months in, he's going to pack up and leave and not be back till arguably November. It, yeah. that, these are obstacles. These are obstacles, but I think these are obstacles that can be overcome. But again, the issue is, let's say the games start, let's say it goes well for a week, and then all of a sudden one person tests positive. That, that's the issue, Pedro, right? Yeah. Isn't, isn't that, I, I that's something that, that's down. neglected. That's something yeah. that's neglected. Then we're back to square one, right? You yeah, know, the whole, and like, the whole thing slams, the, the brake slam, everything and, stops. And, 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 and not even from the competition standpoint, I'd say for, from all your years covering baseball, it's it's quite eerie to think of just playing the duration of an entire season with no fans around, right? Isn't, isn't that, that something that seems, you know, I know that's you know, going to be across all sports, but it's just, it's unique when you think about it, right? No doubt about it. I mean, I've, I've covered <laughs> baseball games ever since the, the, the 80s. 
And I think back to being at Yankee Stadium in, in October, Fenway Park in October, Bush Stadium in October, Dodgers Stadium, and the energy that fans provide in that environment, in the playoff environment, in any environment, no matter what. It could be a regular season game. It, you know, there's just energy that is provided. And, you know, they're, they're showing a lot of classic games now on MLB Network, on ESPN, on Fox. And it's amazing to watch and to just hear the thunder that comes from the crowd and to think that these guys would be playing in a vacuum almost with zero crowd, it, it, it's, it's, it, it will absolutely be a determining factor on the energy that we see on the field, I believe. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah definitely. So with that said, um, I guess this is a pretty um, easy question to answer. Do you see, do you see uh, any real possibility of baseball being played within the next month or two? I do think they're going to try. Yes. And again, I think the reason is, again, let's not be naive. I think it's money. Definitely. Uh, you know, if games are played, there's national television contracts that kick in and owners can then make some money, even though they won't be making money off concession sales, off parking, off beer sales, hot dog sales, you know, all of that. But there will be some money to be made. And likewise, players will be, be making some money, whatever percentage of their contract. It's still money. And, you know, when you think about 800 or so major league players, I know everybody thinks that they're all making, you know, 20 million a year, but that's not the reality. The reality is that of the 800 or so major leaguers, uh, I would say a good four to 400 to 500 are making less than 2 million, which is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But in yeah. years past, when there have been work stoppages, the threat of that work stoppage was always known ahead of time. So the union could tell the players, hey, save your money. There might be a work stoppage. You've got to be able to have something. This was a lightning bolt. This just struck and boom, before even the first game could be played, you know, it, everything came to a, stop, uh, a halt. And I don't think a lot of regular fans understand that players do not get paid in spring training. They only get paid. Their first paycheck is the 15th of April after they've played two weeks of games. Mm. So not a single player has received a single penny from their salary. Oh, wow. I thought I saw something oh. about uh, Batances getting his bonus already. Uh, bonuses are different. Bonuses oh, bonuses. Are different. Are, okay. Yeah. I got you. But I'm talking about player salaries, which is the majority. Okay. You know, you're talking about a free agent who's signed a free agent contract. And there was language written that on April 1st, you get this much of the bonus that still has to be paid because he signed his contract. But I'm talking about salaries. Nobody has received a penny from their salaries this year. Wow. I know um, my, my other co my co-host, Chris, had something to talk about uh, with a different country that act that's actually playing baseball. <laughs> There's two. Yeah, so. Taiwan and Korea. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, so I was going to speak to Korea, which announced earlier today, actually, that their, uh, their season is going to be starting May 5th, a week yeah. from today, and it's going to be going through to November, and then they'll have full postseason, the full 144-game season. Um, do you think that's something that ESPN is planning to get in on, being that they want some level of competitive baseball? No, no doubt. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that we're negotiating with 
the KBO, which is the Korean baseball organization, to try to televise games. And, you know, there are American players playing in Korea. And actually, Matt Williams, the former third baseman of the Diamondbacks and the Giants and the Indians, he is managing as a rookie manager this year in the KBO. So yes, there are definitely yes. storylines that would interest American fans. There are some storylines to draw from. But aside from that, it's like you said, it's real competition. It's real baseball that would be able to be seen without knowing, oh, oh this is when Aaron Boone hits that home run in extra innings to beat the Red Sox, which, you know, we all know is going to happen on the game that they're showing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think, I mean, I don't think that should be any problem for ESPN to get in on because, and even the American public, because if the XFL can come in in a matter of three weeks and everybody <laughs> is already having a great time with that, everybody Good could point. attach themselves to some sort of team for whatever, whatever reason, whatever fad or, or favorite player that they have on, on whatever team. I, I think that I think no brainer. Yeah. yeah I would I, love I, to see a different brand of baseball. Agree. There, I agree. Um, I think it'll happen. I do believe it will happen. That's good, because if you love baseball, you're watching. You're going to tune in. Yeah. Even to see what it's like. If you like it, you, you'll stop watching. <laughs> if not, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going to tune in. Yeah, I mean, the game is still, look, the pitcher's still 60 feet, 6 inches away. The bases exactly. are 90 feet. The bases are 90 feet, you know, apart from each other. There's still, the game is still played exactly the same. And, yeah, we may not know all the names or most of the names, but... It's real baseball, and if you're a sports fan, I wouldn't even say a baseball fan. If you're a sports fan, it's at least a, a fix, so to speak, a quick fix to be able to watch something live. Mm. Exactly. And, I, and I, I know we also mentioned in the previous question about um, whether or not we see something by May 15th, June 15th, yeah. July 1st, something like that. Um, with that being said, how big of an impact does this have on pending or early signed contracts, maybe somebody like Mookie Betts, let's say, just to, 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 pin, to hone in on, uh, would it make, how, how big of an impact does this have on his leverage, being that he's one of the top young stars, maybe due for a, uh, um, a Bryce Harper-type contract? See, I don't think a Mookie Betts is going to be affected at all. He's got a resume. He's got, you know, plenty on there that, that front offices know what level of player he is. It's the guys who emerge that aren't the top tier guys. Those are the guys that are going to be more affected than anybody else. Look, Mookie Betts is going to be a free agent at the end of this year, whether they play a game or not. That's already been decided. Yeah. Same for Trevor Bauer. But you already have, there, there's, there's already enough there for, for front offices to be able to say, this guy is worth paying X amount of dollars to. I don't care what, the fact that he hasn't played in a year and a half, let's say there are no games just for the sake of argument. Let's say, you know, the next games are played next spring. He doesn't have to worry. It's the other guys who, who are going to be either DFA'd at the end of this season, who are free agents at the end of the season, but don't have that same resume. Those are the guys that will be more affected than anybody else. Now, and, minor leaguers, say, um... and minor leaguers as well, by the way. And I have, yeah, you know, I don't know if you guys know. I have a kid playing. Oh yeah, we're yeah, yeah. That's, we should bring that up later. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that ERA. My socks. I got my yeah. socks. There you go. <laughs> got to call him if up. Stop playing on that, around. On that point, Pedro, with uh, with regards to Mookie Betts, though, um, like, 
what is the standpoint then from somebody like the Dodgers though, who, who surrendered that that kind of package to acquire Betts, yeah. and, and if they come away <laughs> empty-handed, I mean, and, you know, you know, there's no crying in baseball. I get that, but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it just seems like it just seems like like you know a steal for 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 the Red Sox to get. You know, basically, it's a because they don't get him, but the neither does the team they traded to. So that they still get compensation for him. I just, yeah, I, I, that's what I struggle to. You know, it's 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 unfortunate if if bets were to sign elsewhere other than with the Dodgers after this season, but uh, it, it, there was no way to know. There was absolutely no way to know. But I honestly believe that the Dodgers made this deal, thinking we have a way 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 better than average chance of being able to keep him once he sees what LA is like, what Dodger Stadium is like, what wearing this uniform is like playing in this city, yeah. we think it will be, and the money, and the money, let's not, let's not be naive again, and yeah. the money we can afford to pay him, because the Dodgers have a lot of expiring contracts in the next year to yeah. two years. Now, they've got to pony up for guys like Walker Bueller, but Mookie Betts was in those plans, because Clayton Kershaw's money comes off, Justin Turner's money comes off, you know, and, all, and then they've got to also be able to keep Cody Bellinger, although they have more time to be able to still offer him arbitration and keep him until they have to give him a big, big money contract. But those, you know, they, they, they're lined up. They're lined up. When they made this deal, they're already lined up to be able to say, all right, we can give Mookie 400 million or whatever in order to keep him. So I think they're still going to make a very attractive offer, regardless of whether there are games or not. But yeah, they do have to, they, there is a risk that he becomes a free agent without ever playing a single inning for the Dodgers. Unheard of. That's crazy, Unheard that's crazy. Of. <laughs> that's crazy to think of, but they're, they're, that, yeah. that plan, possibility does exist. You plan for the unexpected sometimes, too, though. So, yeah. what, what about if uh, the guys who sign, like the the, uh, the Coles and the Wheelers of the world, what, what happens? Does that count towards a year of their contract? How does that Absolutely. work? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. They, they, yeah, they wouldn't get paid but year one of the contract would go because they get major league service time this year. So that's, that's Mm -hmm. kind of the trade off in the sense of it's not a trade off, so to speak, but service time does matter towards your pension. Uh, Okay. Someone like Garrett Cole, it's not going to matter as much, but everybody who was on a major league roster at the end of last season, if they were still on the major league roster this year on the 40 man, they will get a full year's of worth of service time, which does count towards your pension and those that's that starts to matter a lot with guys that aren't going to reach 10 years in the majors or that are barely going to reach 10 years in the majors because if you play 10 years you get a hundred percent pension and the major league pension is incredibly good i want to say it's 280,000 a year uh starting at age 65 (laughs) it's somewhere in that ballpark i may not have the exact figure but it's in that ballpark but let's say you play eight years in the majors. Well, it's 80% of 280. So it's still a very nice pension. Um, but having the year's worth of service time is important to a lot of players. Just uh, just want to add something to the service time. Do you, can you, can you, um, like, do you see teams and players renegotiating since they're not getting, since if the, uh, the season is canceled, they won't be getting that money? Do you see, like, renegotiations? I, I think, well, I think you'll see negotiations with players whose contracts are expiring. Sure. Uh, you know, well, like what be, if like, like Wheeler, like Zach Wheeler just signed, 
He's not going to get paid. Oh no, not not season. in that sense. No, no, no. He's signed for five years or whatever it was. Yeah, no. But years. can you can you see like them renegotiating next year's salary since that since he's not getting any of it this year? So maybe like adding that. like I a bonus. Or... I think this year just becomes a zero. Okay. Like if, they, if there are no games, it's this year's a zero. He gets the year of service time, but then next year, whatever his salary, I don't know what the figure is, twenty million or whatever. Uh, that's that's his salary next year. But I no, in terms of opening up a contract that's already signed, no, that doesn't uh, that's that doesn't happen in baseball and at all ever. Yeah. You know, okay. You know, Jake Lamb. Jake Lamb is another example. He's a free agent at the end of this year. He's been injured a lot. This was going to be a very very big year for Jake Lamb because if he was healthy, uh, you know, he's a very good role player, utility type guy, like a fourth you know, backup infielder who might be able to start for you for good stretches. It's going to hurt someone like that because he doesn't have anything to put in his body of work this season to show, Hey, I'm healthy. Um, so that a guy like that will be hurt again, a guy like Trevor Bauer, a guy like Mookie Betts, they're not going to be hurt by this. Their, their body of work speaks for itself. And I would say Batanzas too, because he was looking to, to prove that he can stay healthy. Yeah, and um, God, who was it that signed uh, Didi? Signed a one-year deal with right. the Phillies he, because he wanted to kind of reestablish his value. Yeah, it could hurt a lot of people if there's no baseball player. Yeah, but I know, yeah, I yeah. know, Joe wants to add something too. Yeah, fire away. Yeah, um, well, we were going to transition a little bit now, uh, Pedro, into the uh, the biogenesis question. So I'll let you pick that one yeah. up, Justin. So, uh, yeah. No, the biogenesis one. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, which, cause everyone knows that, uh, with the Astros, but what, what, what do you think had a more adverse effect in, in, uh, the history of the game, biogenesis and the Mitchell report or the sign stealing? I, I personally believe the sign stealing is a worse offense. Um, and I'm very, very anti PED, believe me, incredibly mm-hmm. anti PED. Um, but I, I think that uh, when you have a collaborative effort of every player on the roster being in on it and them kind of just saying, yeah, let's go with it. That to me is worse than one individual saying, I'm going to take steroids and see what I can do for myself. That's not a team decision. This was a club wide decision, organizational wide decision. uh, And that to me, puts it on a far worse uh, look they're both heinous acts within the game but i think if you had to rank i would put the sign stealing as a worse offense than peds and you know what's coming too because if you're on steroids you still have to uh you don't know what's coming yeah i mean you still have to, you still have to execute yeah you have to execute exactly no matter but, what on both but 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 you know the, 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 look it, either regardless because you know, there's there's hitters who are career 295 hitters who during the steroid era were hitting 370 at age 38. Yeah. So obviously steroids did something to improve definitely your your your, your statistics, your abilities. Um, but like I said, the, the fact that this was a collaborative 25 man decision to me that's that's that puts it at, at a worse. That's that's a worse offense for me, and that's if me. I, could, I mean, I I I agree one hundred percent too. 
But adding to that, do you think um, this hurts Beltron's chances of ever going back into MLB? A little, uh, a little controversial, but I just yeah, wanted to... Yeah, I think, I think the Mets was a perfect place for him because he had played there. You know, um, I, I think it's going to be really difficult for another organization to give Carlos a, an opportunity to manage. I think it's going to be very difficult. I, I, I could see him possibly being a coach um but i don't even know if he's gonna if he's willing to accept that role but um i think it's going to be very difficult for another organization to uh to give carlos a chance at managing yeah sticking with biogenesis i know chris had something to add to that yeah yeah i know i wanted to kind of pan towards some some things that you covered personally over the years (laughs) um biogenesis being one and then also barry bonds uh race to the home run record um that those were Kind of these 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 pillars of baseball history. Um, can you speak to how difficult or easy or your process in staying impartial, despite the amount of pressure from the outside and hate uh, on one side or the other towards these people involved? You know, it's it goes along with being a reporter. It doesn't matter. I mean, there are people covering the White House today that are facing similar pressures. Um, You have to, when you get into this business, you are supposed to make a vow to remain impartial, to remain unbiased. And uh, I know that's very difficult for a lot of people to understand. And even though I have my personal feelings about Barry Bonds while I was reporting on him, I never ever let those come to the surface. I never wanted to be the story. I just happened to be the guy that was covering him day in, day out, and look, I'm I'm very aware that's going to be in my obituary. <laughs> you know, the guy who covered <laughs> Barry Bonds two and a half years, I, I know that's going to be in my obituary. But I, I'd like to think that I did it on a fair and impartial manner. I know that there are plenty of Giants fans who don't believe that because I was reporting a lot of negative things against Bonds. But I wasn't inventing those things. Those were things exactly. that occurred. And as a reporter, my job is to report what is discovered. And that's, that's, you know, that's what I was doing. So while Giants fans may not agree with it, um, I know I can look at myself in the mirror and know that I was impartial. Exactly. The truth hurts sometimes. And I think that's what we all respect most about, about, uh, about your writing and about all that you've done for the game. And, um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's not easy. And I I know that, um, you've defended yourself on a stance like Mike Piazza, so we can appreciate and remain so um with that being said ha- have you spoken much with other um hall of fame voters as to how they rationalize how they vote for suspected or confirmed ped users you know uh, there i believe this year there were like 402 or 403 hall of fame voters um so you know you have to reach 75 percent, and everybody is allowed to make their own decision it's kind of like when all three of us, all four of us go to vote in a mayoral election or U.S. Senate or presidential election. You get to make your own decision. And there are people that say, hey, you know what, this guy was the best player with or without, and I'm voting for him for that reason. And then, I, you know, I'm on the record that I don't vote for PED guys, and uh, I'm, that's, that's my decision. That's my personal decision. I've earned the vote of the Hall of Fame. I've been voting for 20 years. Um, and I, you know, that's my decision. It's my personal decision of how I view the hall of fame. And there are others that view it 
as though, you know what, I don't care. I don't care what they did. Everyone was using. It doesn't matter to me. And that's their decision. And look, we're very good friends, even though we completely disagree on this one topic. It doesn't matter. I, it's not going to change the way I view that person, that voter. And I don't believe it's changed the way they view me as a voter. Um, it's just that we happen to disagree on that particular aspect. Yeah, and that's, like said, and that's totally fair. Opinions. I'm sorry. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, well, I wanted to uh, turn things over about a little bit, Pedro, about uh, another story you you covered uh, to some extent when you a uh, few years back. Uh, put it in perspective. Uh, you know, when when the NBA lost Kobe Bryant, you saw the ripple effect across the league, right? Yeah. And and how much it impacted everybody. And although I know Jose Fernandez wasn't, you know. As as established and didn't have that kind of longevity to his career that somebody like a Kobe Bryant had, you saw that a star like uh, Fernandez was he he was about to take off right and 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 oh. become one of the prominent and you know elite pitchers if not the most elite pitcher in this game. Can, can you speak to to what we lost in Jose Fernandez as as baseball fans, but also in the baseball uh, baseball community, especially in that that, that large that large uh, you know Cuban community in Miami. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I grew up in Miami and I'm Cuban. Um, so I, I know that community very, very well. And it's a, it's a good comparison to bring up Kobe. The difference being Kobe played 20 years. Jose yeah. Fernandez got to play three years, I think it was two or three years. Um, and Kobe's grip on L.A. was really Kobe had a grip nationally, but Kobe's grip on L.A. was not, not that dissimilar to the grip that Jose Fernandez had on Miami. And the reason being bilingual, Cuban, uh, there were so many people there that could relate to him and love the fact that, it, you know, it was basically one of ours, he's a Cuban. And, uh, you know, the, the population of Miami is well over 50% Cuban and, and it's a large, large metropolitan area. So it was, uh, it hit very hard. Um, you know, I covered that, whole story. I flew to Miami. Um, and that was a difficult story. I knew Jose personally. I really liked him a lot. And I think he was, he was in line to easily become a hall of famer. He, yeah. had, yeah. hall of fame. Yeah. he had hall of fame talent. There's no doubt he had hall of fame talent. He always reminded me a lot of Tom Seaver. Uh, he was taller than Tom Seaver, but he reminded me, um, of Tom Seaver in the sense that I'm going right at you. I got, here's my best stuff. You get me fine, but I'm going to go at you. And, uh, you know, more often than not, Jose was the winner in those battles. Those yeah. individual battles. <laughs> and that's, that's not and a very his personality opinion. though. His personality was such that look, Mike Trout is the best player in the game, but he doesn't have the personality to want that label, so to speak. And Mike is a great, great person, but it's just not his personality to want to be that guy. Jose and, wanted and he's, to be he's, that guy. He's taken, he's taken some slack for that because I, I know the main. Yeah. And it's I unfortunate because yeah. not everyone. He lobbied for him to be that marketable player. Yeah. yeah, not everyone's wired the same. But I can tell yeah. you, knowing Jose as well as I did, um, knowing his mother and you know his family, I can tell you he was wired that way. He yeah, would have yeah. been he would he was set to become the face of all of baseball. The fact that he spoke the two primary la primary languages in the game would have elevated him to a level 
higher than than I, I, I you know, they people like our parents would say Mickey Mantle in the '60s. Except there's mm-hmm. so much more exposure now, and Jose was wired to take on that responsibility, and he would have just embraced it, and he would have been a Hall of Famer. And I, I think that he was like the first one to really show the young guys, like, hey, we can have fun while yeah. playing this game. I think <laughs> he was the, wants uh, to talk about Harper and the bat flips, but I think, yeah. at least as a, for a pitcher, because oh, growing up, the, I was a pitcher and I loved it. Like, you can show that you can have fun. He like, was the first bat flipper without being a bat flipper. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I look at that that Marlins team, uh, Pedro, and uh, oh, I, I see that, like, you know, I, I actually think the passing of Jose Fernandez, I know it really wasn't, wasn't uh, you know, prominently highlighted when, when they started breaking that down by trading the Ozunas and the Yelich and the Sands of the world and ultimately not even Real Muto. But I, that does go with Fernandez's passing. That kind of went hand in hand with them breaking it down. Would, would you say? Killed, because I look killed, at that team. It, it, yeah. it killed the franchise. It absolutely yeah, they were on the precipice it. No, no, that yeah. franchise was moving in the right direction. They were ready. They had the horse in the number one slot, the guy who could take a game one in a playoff and win. Um, mm. And that that is really difficult to come by. Um, and it it absolutely destroyed every advancement that franchise had made to that point. It 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 didn't just set it back it killed it killed it i think that was uh that was a critical critical point yeah yep yes and i, I guess going towards a more, a more lighthearted note um just to com- just two things jose had a great you just sense tell of humor, me by the way jose had <laughs> exactly. a great sense of humor i think i he think would, that shows he would be here right now going oh so what talk about my death who cares I'm, we're, big, yeah, we're, we're big mess fan here. He was my favorite pitcher. I was pretty devastated when I got the news. If you had to pick between which which was more difficult, just prepping your questions for the game seven and in the post game interviewing the the uh, World Series MVP, or trying to sit down while your son pitches the bottom half of the ninth, which is more difficult? <laughs> All I heard was trying to sit down while my son, I can't hear the rest. Sorry, do it again. While your son was pitching the bottom half of the ninth inning of <laughs> any game. <laughs> the more difficult without question is watching my son, even if it's the first inning. I'm a pacer. I, I get off <laughs> my pace. I, I shield my eyes sometimes. Um, it's, it's, it's a, Look, it's beyond belief that he's even reached the level he's reached. Um, but um, it's it's nerve wracking beyond belief. And asking guys questions after a game seven is nothing compared to watching my son on the hill. <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> and, uh, I guess piggyback also that, that he was going to have. I'm sorry, Chris. You can go. That's my bad. Uh, just. Just going off of your your stoicism, I know that there's been a couple interviews I got to see where some guys were trying to have some fun with you. How do you keep your cool when Brian Wilson is saying that he has garden gnomes in his beard and David Price is giving you a hard time because he thinks you're a doubter and this and that? How do you how do you keep that mic straight and not just try to not break down completely? Because I'd be dying. Because uh, those guys are having fun in that situation right there. 
And uh, you, you gotta, you know what? It's sports. And I think if anything, this whole pandemic is, I hope, gonna kind of hit a reset button for a lot of a, of our country to say, let's have fun with sports. Let's have fun again. It doesn't have to be. It's not do or die. No one's dying because you've lost a game, a playoff game. Uh, you know, you didn't win the division title, whatever. It, it, no one is going to die. So I'm hoping that uh, that this might hit a reset button across all avenues and remind everyone, let's just have fun again. I think, I yeah, think we, we saw it last year, the, uh... too, with the Mets, when, when Pete, with Pete Alonso. Because Pete Alonso yeah. was just yeah. having fun. He's like a big teddy bear yeah. playing in the biggest city in the world. Just yeah. having Agreed. fun. Agreed. It should be fun. You know what? They never say work ball. They always say play ball. Yeah, it's a kid's game, and they're playing. It's a kid's game, and they're playing professionally, getting paid. I mean, look, there's pressures, no doubt. It's it's a do league. It's it's not a try hard league. It's a do league at that level. Yeah. Uh, You know, anytime you're playing D1 baseball, anywhere in the minors, anywhere in the majors, it's it's not a try hard league. It's a do league, but it still can be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think the best teams are the ones that have fun, and the coaches yeah. and the managers emphasize that have fun out there. Because if you if you're going to be out there agree. tight, you're going to make an error here or there. You're going to yep. throw the ball three feet off the plate. So you have to stay loose and have fun. Completely agree. Look, the yeah. uh, the 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 team that beat your Mets in the World Series, the Royals had fun. They Absolutely. were fun, that, fun team. That, that burned a little, Pedro. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's open wound. <laughs> but they, they were a fun team. And you know what? Hey, the Mets got to the World Series. Come on, man. I think the Mets were a fun team that year, too. <laughs> with yeah. Games. Oh, I think anybody he made, that reaches he made the end a drastic usually change, has too. fun. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the last fun point that we'll make is, could you go over the Josh Beckett rally beard story with us one more time? Because that's probably the most, that is the funniest thing I've ever seen a reporter speak about in terms of just being, it's just a guy in, in his element. Could you just, could you just speak yes, to that? Yes, indeed. In, so you've done your homework. All right. Now, uh, yes. <clears throat> so yeah, the 03 games, game six, it's the Steve Bartman game at Wrigley Field. 03 NLCS. And uh, Beckett had just thrown a nine-inning complete game in game five. So there was absolutely no way he was going to pitch game six, which was only, you know, two days, 48 hours later, after he'd just thrown 123 pitches or whatever. So uh, I'm working for ESPN. I had just started a few months earlier. And we're at the Cubs side right behind the dugout because when the game ends, us and Fox – are right on the field when the game ends to interview. So they got us right behind the Cubs dugout uh, during the eighth inning. And all of a sudden the whole Bartman and the inning unravels, Alex Gonzalez makes the error at short. And so one of the MLB that grabs us by the end says, okay, let's go. We got it. And we're at Wrigley field, which doesn't have an underground tunnel, like all the new stadiums. So we're through the concourse going racing from the first base side to the third base side, which is the visitor side side. And we are now behind the Marlins dugout during the eighth inning. And the Marlins just continue to score runs. And every time they score a run, Beckett runs to the club 
and runs in out and he's got a green those green Gatorade cups that are you know 18 ounces whatever and uh at one point he just looks at me and he just goes rally beer Pedro in the dugout during the game after every Marlins run <laughs> and oh my just, God. so he raced back and forth like four times that <laughs> inning that I saw because <laughs> I think the Marlins scored six runs that inning but we weren't there at the beginning of the inning because we were on the other side. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> that's an all-time, the most that's undertold not, stories in baseball. I, yeah, that was uh, that was crazy, crazy, and of course the Marlins won Game Seven and won the World Series, beating the Yankees. Yeah. Who, if that's you're a Met fan, you probably if you're a Met fan, you probably didn't mind. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, <laughs> I was a big comparison. <laughs> And, uh, and in closing, Pedro, we just all wanted to thank you so much for, for taking time out of your day. It's yeah, We know man, you're an in-demand guy, no, and we're just a small group of guys trying to make something happen. And um, we, we would definitely want to close by saying we're gonna, we, we, we want to collectively make a donation to the V Foundation uh, in uh, memory of, of, uh, of Ricky. Um, thank you. And uh, <laughs> we just want to pay it forward, and uh, we really appreciate everything that you do as a, as a reporter as a human being, as a baseball uh, reference, you know, thank you so uh, much for coming on. That is very, very, very kind of you guys. I appreciate that more than you can imagine. Um, thank you. And uh, I know you guys have Houston Street coming on. I covered him for a lot of years. I got to know him. And uh, boy, you talk about a quality individual. That That yeah. is a high, high, high quality individual. Tell him I said hi. And you guys know his dad was a quarterback on the national championship at the University yep, of Texas. Undefeated. Yep, James oh, yeah, Street. So, Daryl Royal, the head coach of that Texas team, had a great line. You know, the preseason polls always come out. And if you're number one, chances are the coaches are like, oh, no, we're not number one. It's Auburn. It's uh, Michigan. It's you know, Nobody wants to be number one at the beginning of the season. They, they view it like that's, that's the worst thing in the world. Daryl Royal's team, Texas, with James Street, was the preseason number one. And they go and talk to Royal about being preseason number one. He goes, well, if they're keeping a poll, you'd rather be at the top than anywhere else. <laughs> I love that. I love That's that. right. That's, uh, and he's right. right. And he's right. <laughs> oh, man. So say hi to Houston for me. We will. Absolutely. And hey, hopefully Joe, we can thanks, have you come on again, soon. Thank so, you so again. much for, for, for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. You set us up for our next episode. Houston Street will be appearing, so thank you for that. <laughs> Please continue to uh, stay safe, you and your family, okay? All right, uh, And man. thank you for coming on, and we, maybe we can have you again, okay? Absolutely. My absolute pleasure. Good luck. Good luck, guys. Thank, thank you. Keep in touch. Thank you. Take care.